0: Well, we have been going through 1 John, and we're about to, to knock out the, the fourth chapter of 1 John. Yeah, we're going through a lot today. Um, and, and we're coming towards the end of this whole, this whole section. And I don't know if you've noticed, if, if you've been reading or paying attention, John likes to repeat himself. You know, he, he's, not, he's not what we call maybe a linear uh, teacher. And I love, if you, if you were to go and read commentaries, there are very astute, academic, scholastic ways of saying, why does he keep repeating himself? And you, and you see these guys struggling with, with the reality that he said this like 10 times. And, and, and almost they're, they're, they're running out of things to comment on, except for the fact that, oh, he, he I see a theme here, because he keeps coming back to it. Over and over and over, and you know, I was in. I really enjoyed school. I, I too like to learn and like to teach, and but I had I had a, a, a bad habit of not wanting to do my homework. And I feel like I'm probably in, in decent company, right? Thank you, this honest group right here. Everyone else is like, we did our homework in advance. We asked for more. Uh, but I remember sitting in class, and, and this was particularly true of math class, you know, whether it was like algebra or, or calculus, the teacher would be explaining, you know, this is, this is a, the quadratic equation, you know, you take Pythagoras' theorem, you solve for X, and you come up with this gigantic, and I was like, yeah, it makes, makes sense, I get it, absolutely. I understand this, I got it. And then I'd go home, and I wouldn't do the homework, and the test would roll around. i be like, oh, yeah, Pythagoras, we're, we're real tight. I remember, A plus, or a squared plus B squared equals C squared. And, and, and then I would look at the test, and it would look like a foreign language because I hadn't done the work. And so I, un- I thought I understood it when I looked at it, when I heard the teacher talking about it. And when someone else is solving the problem for you, you're like, yeah, this is easy. Right? A good teacher is going to make it look easy. But I found out that it wasn't easy until you did the homework. Because when you, when you jump into the homework, you begin to... It's like driving down a road. You may be able to see where you're going, but you have not felt the bumps in the road until you get there. Right? In your homework, that's, that's why we avoid homework. We don't enjoy bumps. We don't like mental bumps. And so I think... If I were to ask anyone in this room, is it important for you to love your brother and sister in Christ, you'd say, of course. I've seen it on the page. I've seen, I've seen it explained. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Love people. You know what? I, let me tell you, Pastor Eddie, you need to love people because God loves us. Pastor Eddie, Jesus died on the cross for my sins, so I need to love other people. And then on Monday... I think if we were to open the door, maybe some of us might find ourselves having not done the homework. And we we get to the place where we're like, I know I'm supposed to love this person, but it looks and it seems like it makes no sense. And the danger that I've fallen into with a text like this And the danger that we all face, especially as we mature in our faith, is to say, "You know what? I've I've got that. I got that figured out. Teach me the deeper things, Pastor Eddie." And John John was a pretty astute guy. I mean, he had spent some time with with Jesus, right? I don't know that I would have an argument of theology or history or religion with a man who would who would sat next to Jesus Christ, a man to whom Jesus entrusted his own mother after he was being crucified. He knows a few things, and yet, despite the fact that he knows, I'm sure, a a great deal of theology, what has he been telling us? Love your brothers. Love your sisters. Do your homework. So we're going to hear him repeat himself but I'm, I'm calling you and me to listen with humble ears. So I'm going to read it. Let's stand together as we read the word. It's, it's a bunch of verses, so I'm going to read it. Um, you can listen along. R- read it in your own heart. Um, if you start reading aloud, you knew that we just may trip over one another. Um, but we're going to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and that he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment that we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, what a challenging text this is to us. Because there's a vast difference between knowing something and practicing it. And God, I, f- I fear that in my life and I know that in the lives of others, we have settled for knowing rather than practicing the truth. And in so doing, we have denied the truth. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would quicken our hearts, that you would give us strength and life to obey. God, I thank you that you have given us strength and life through your spirit to obey. And God, I pray that as we are challenged to love those whom it is difficult to to love, Lord, that you you would come and meet us with your grace. That as we gaze upon, as we think about Jesus Christ, we would be encouraged and motivated to live as he lived, to love as he loved. Be with us now as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're back here. And John is calling us once again to love our brothers as an expression of our love for God. We're going to show our love for God through our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. You cannot divorce your love for God from your love for his people. And again, I've said this, I've said this a number of times, but it's been so... Um, So beneficial, I think, for our church body and for the people in our church body to hear that it's important that you participate in church life. Not because I want to see your faces, I do want to see your faces, and not because we count and and not because we're we're hoping that you'll tithe, but because the, the the primary expression that John gives of your faith in Christ is your love for your brothers, your love for your sisters. And, and I'm not talking about Sunday morning, hey man, it's good to see you. You know, fist bump or, you know, this thing I tend to do because I don't know what we're doing. Are we shaking hands? Are we high-fiving? It's on me. It's my fault. It's not your fault. I'm just like, eh, last minute decision. Fail. Um, and as, as fun as that is, as much as I love to, and, and, and that's good. I mean, I'm, don't, please don't hear me like, we don't need to do the opposite of that and just like, not be nice to each other in person, right? It, that's good, cordiality is good, manners are good. But, but our love does not end there. <laughs> you know, I love my wife, and you know what we don't do is shake hands. You know, I, I like to hug her. I'll leave it there, okay. Um, and we, we love one another. And and that love is expressed in a number of different ways. And it's not just words and it's not just shaking hands. And and you cannot say, you can say this, but if you say that you're a Christian, that you follow Jesus Christ, but you aren't participating in the church body, you aren't actively loving the people in the church, then I would say that you ought to re- Look at what God says about how your faith ought to work in the world. For some of us, that means that maybe we're not even saved. You know, maybe we grew up in church and, and, and that's what we did, and we equate, you know, going to church or, you know, doing some things with being saved instead of realizing that our love that we receive from God is something that we're called to give to other people. And if we don't have love to give, then maybe we don't have a relationship of love. For some of us, it just means that maybe we need to step out in faith. You know, I, I know that for many people, church, and I hope that it's not your experience here, but but church can be intimidating. I mean, you're you're, you're walking into a situation, and there are a lot of people who are clean, cut, you know. <laughs> I'm not Pastor Brett, so I don't think I'm very intimidating. But, you know, you meet Pastor Brett, and he's, he's got the bow tie and the, the, the three-piece suit, and he's brilliant and he's written books and he's now a bishop you might be a little intimidated maybe the people around you you know you walk in and you're like it feels a little bit like high school and i don't think i'm part of the cool crowd and 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 there might be elements of truth to that and yet god still calls you to love those around you for 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 those people for for you and me that that means being willing to love people despite your own self, being willing to um, accept the fact that maybe rejection might follow, because we follow a God who received and accepted rejection. And then for some of us, for some of us, you're you're doing it. You're loving, and, and it and it means pushing it further. It means looking at those people who maybe are left out and saying, okay, oh, how can I love that person? Having an eye for the outcast, having an eye for the, the widow, the orphan, the poor. He calls us to love because he loves. If we look at verse seven, it says, beloved, let us love one another. And then he grounds it. For love is from God and whoever loves God has been born of God. Or, sorry, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Let us love one another. For whoever loves one another I'm adding the one another so we understand, has been born of God and knows God. He's not saying, if you, whoever's come down to the altar and prayed a prayer, whoever has a, a uh, certificate of, of, of having made a decision, whoever was baptized, as important as baptism is, baptism is an expression of the love that we've received and are now expressing because we have a living faith. And, and I'm belaboring this point, family, because John is belaboring this point. He, he clearly thinks that this is so important for this church that he has to say it over and over and over again. And I think, family, this is so important for our church because, because we need to love one another, and we are a diverse group of people. And, and I'm thankful for that fact. But the reality of that is that we don't all think the same way. We certainly don't all live the same way. You know, some of you, you're on board, and I, I so thank everyone who's like, you know what, Pastor Eddie, you talked about spicy food, and we have a conversation about spicy food, and you're like, what kind of spicy food do you like? And, we, and some of you are like, I hate spicy food. You know, I, I talk about you know liking math and, and, and having kind of a scholastic, nerdy um, set of interests, and some of you are on board for that. You're like, yeah, I like to learn, I like to study, and some of you are like, I don't track I'm not tracking and, and and I recognize that and there are things in your your life and your history that, that that may make it difficult for you to connect with one another and that's why it's even more important that you hear that we're called to love one another and we love one another not because it's easy, not because it's fun, not because it's convenient, but because what because Love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God. We love because God first loves. He says it the opposite way in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is what? Love. But he doesn't, here's the thing, family, is, again, I said this before and I'll say it again, he doesn't allow us to define that. He says, you know, if, if you don't love, then, then uh, you don't know God. Because God is love. And if we were to stop there, it, it would be, it would be, there would be a temptation for us to define what love looks like based on our own convenience, based on our own comfort level. In the world, there's a huge desire to redefine what love looks like. And basically, love is whatever makes you feel happy. And, and it, it, you know, don't tell me I'm doing wrong because that's not loving. Don't tell me I need to change because, man, that's not... That's not loving. That's not affirming. But but he doesn't allow us to do that. He says, as we, as we look, by this you know the Spirit of God. I'm sorry, by this you know. No, that's wrong. In this way, the love of God was made manifest among us. In other words, in, in this way, God showed the love of God, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might have, so that we might live through him. Then he repeats it in verse 10. In this is love. Not that we first loved. Guys, John says, I, I'm so glad you guys are, are loving it, whatever level you're loving. But that's not love. It, in the sense that that's not the de- definition of love. He goes on and he says, this is love. Not that we first loved, but that he loved us and what? Sent his son to be, to be the propitiation or atonement for our sins. God shows us, he defines, he codifies, he gives us a, a unmovable, unchangeable picture of what love looks like. And what does it look like? It looks like a bloody cross. It looks like the God of the universe, perfectly good, perfectly whole, needing nothing, deserving everything, humbling himself, as, as Paul says in Philippians 2, to the point of a servant, even to the point of death. And he says, that's love. You know, I, I, I think... It can be easy for us to feel like, I've just done so much for these people. <laughs> okay, I hit a nerve there. And, and, and to say, I have loved so much, God. How much do I have to put up with these people? And when I say these people, there's some people that are coming in, into your minds. And as a side note, write that down because those are the people that God's calling you love. Um, but I was I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm, I was wondering, okay, what what's the example that God gives us? Why do we even do this? why why, why should I love God? And then I began to think about Jesus, and and him knowing knowing he's going to be crucified. I mean, knowing I mean, pretty to a pretty significant significant degree that the the kind of detail of I'm going to have to face. Death. And then the night before he's about to be betrayed and and to die, he knows, okay, I'm gonna be whipped with a whip that has little chunks of pottery or metal or it's gonna rip my skin. They're gonna hammer nails into my body. I mean, I (laughs) have you ever gotten a paper cut and you're like, oh my goodness, this is it's the end of the world. I'm dying and he's thinking about at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's thinking about his death and, and he's thinking about the wrath of God, the anger, the righteous anger that God has over sin that he's about to face that. I mean, have you ever had a, a Sunday night anxiety attack? Monday's coming, you didn't do your homework. I, I have a lot of hang-ups about homework, apparently. Um, <laughs> Lord heal me. <laughs> you ever have those dreams where like you're in a class and you haven't been to any of the classes and you have to go to the exam? Oh gosh, those are terrible. Anyways, but none of that compares to his Sunday night moment, right? Which was actually what Thursday night, Friday night. And and I and I think about that and then I think about the fact that he's got a bunch of knuckleheads, one of whom he knows you're a scoundrel. I mean, he's a scoundrel. And what does he do? He, he takes off his outer garment, he gets the towel, and he takes on the role of the lowest, of lowest, of lowest of servants. I mean this was, this was a, a role washing other people's feet. That's something that, that Jewish people are like, "Oh, you're Jewish, don't do that. We'll get one of the foreigners to do that." Well I mean, in terms of, of respect, it was not something that you had your teacher do. Your leader, your lord, your king. And he goes and he, and he he's washing their feet and, and we we think oh yeah that's pretty rough he washes feet they had bunions I mean they had crust under their toenails I mean they didn't have nail they didn't have what did they do with their nails nail file like what what did that look like terrible at least on one of the twelve disciples and they were they were men wives are like yes I know that was ugh. And, I, and I'm being a bit a bit facetious, but he's going down, and, and that's a disgusting thing within and of itself. I'm going to tie my shoe real quick, okay? Sorry, it was bothering me. It may have been bothering you, okay? But he's he goes and he he's he's washing their feet, and that's that's gross within and of itself. But then he, imagine looking into the eyes of Judas as you're doing this, and and Judas looks at him, and he he tries to project a picture of. I'm following you, Jesus. And, and, and Jesus knows. Jesus knows. You've been stealing from me. You've been lying to me. You've been using me. And yet, he doesn't wash his feet in anger. I don't believe that. He doesn't wash his feet in, in um, disdain, but he, he lovingly cares for him. And, and then I, I look at my situation and I think to myself, oh, okay, well, that's what it looks like for me to love someone. That's what it looks like for me to love someone. We love because he first loved us. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. And then he says, you know what, beloved? If, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And he goes and he says in verse twelve, no, you know what? No one's seen God. And 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 he says the same thing in John chapter one that no one has seen God. But but if if we love those around us, it shows that we've come to know God. We love because God first loved, and we also love because God God's love is perfected in us as we share His love. In verses thirteen and following, he begins to talk about this idea of perfection, and and in some of your Bibles, it may say completed. Um, and, and the idea there is, is uh, that the, the idea is not, not perfected in the sense that you've come to a place of, bring, you are now the ultimate expression of yourself. But, but there's a completion that happens. Whereas before, your love was imperfect and incomplete, and now it is complete. And he says this, He says, um, by this is love, verse 17, love perfected with us so that we may have confidence before the day of judgment because he is as he is so we are also in this world. He, he goes and he says, if you have put your trust in him, if you put your faith in him, if you've believed in him, then you've received his love. But your love is perfected when that love is poured out. So when you receive his love that's, that's only half of the transaction. God's love is a boomerang and he's throwing it out. But the ex- boomerang, yeah. But the expectation is that it's going to come back around. And and God doesn't catch it but but one of God's people catches it. So God through us throws it out, we receive his love and then someone else catches it. It's not complete until it's received. And, and this is the same kind of, this is the same nature as, as worship. And I've talked about this before, you know, um, there's, a, there's a woman in our church, Susan, who, who likes to make delicious treats for us, and recently she has made, uh, made me a pie, because I, I just sort of begged her to in all my sermons. <laughs> and I cut the pie, and it looked good, it smelled good, and I tasted the pie, it was delicious but my joy of it wasn't complete until I shared it with all of you just now. And now I can really appreciate it. But I mean, you know, when you go to, to the Cheesecake Factory or, or, or maybe it's a steakhouse or wherever it is where you taste and experience something that really gets you, it's that moment right afterwards where you're like, you have to try this. This joyful experience isn't complete until I can share it with someone else. And family, when we love others, We are participating in the love of God in a way that it it completes that experience. And you know this to be the case because when you go to someone and you say, I forgive you. And you see the hardness, the stony disposition break. And all of a sudden what was once a, a division has become a relationship. You experience a different aspect of the love of God. And you get to stand As God stands towards us. You get to experience what God experiences when we look at him and say, oh, thank you. It comes back around. We love because God's love is perfected in us. Family, I want to challenge you. We're going to be done with this book at some point. And at that point, you're going to be tempted to reduce your faith once again to just doing stuff and believing stuff. And I want you to do stuff and believe stuff, but I want you to love people. I want us to be a church that loves people. Because if we do stuff, when we say stuff and believe stuff, but we don't love people, we're not a Christian community. If individually, John calls into question our faith, if we don't love people, then corporately, if we're not a loving community... Then that calls into the question of whether or not we're a church. Do you want to experience the love of God? Do you want to experience the fullness of God? Do you want to experience the, the joy of God? I would encourage you, who who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Who who do you need to reach out to? Who have you noticed that the Holy Spirit's kind of been like, hey, who's that person? And you've been like, well, that's weird. Who's that person? But you haven't taken the time to just stop and say, wait, why am I asking who that, who that person is? Who, who do you need to text right now or, or maybe talk to after church and say, hey, I, I've seen you around. What's your name? What's your story? Can I buy you lunch? Who do you need to comfort? Who do you need to take your own personal rejections, your own personal suffering, your own personal pain, and, and the experience of God's grace through that process who do you need to take that to and say, I, I've been where you've been? Let me walk with you. When we love others in Christ, we open ourselves to experience God's love more deeply. So as, as I close, who do you need to love? Who do you need to love? Family, this is this is our homework. Because It's easy to say, you know what, I I believe Jesus is Lord. It's easy to say, in this context, in America, where you're free to say what you want to say largely, where you're not going to be crucified for confessing Christ. It's easy to say that. But but the question is, are you going to do the homework? Are you going to love people? And I'm confident that God will meet you, and he, he equips us and empowers us To obey, to love people, to be the people that God has called us to be, to be the people who show that we're his disciples by our love for one another. Let's pray. Father God, I am personally convicted by just the the need in my own life to love those around me, to take seriously your command to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, it is so easy for me to do what I want to do. And because of my sin, it is so easy for me not to want to do the right thing. God, I repent of that. I pray that that I would be, that we would be people who are loving, actively, consistently daily that love that the same love that Jesus expressed would be the kind of love that that just permeates grace coming to church sterling if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior John does say that he is the he uses this word propitiation but he is He is the one who takes away our sins. He's the one who pays for our sins. We don't have to do anything to to earn that. We don't have to do anything to add to that. All we do is trust in Jesus who died for our sins. If that's you and you wanna put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me. If you could raise your hand, if you're online, if you could let one of our hosts know, you can press the button. There's nothing magical it's not, it's not the raising of the hand or the pressing of the button that, that brings salvation. It's, it's a heart that's changed. And as we respond in faith, that kind of confirms the change. So if that's you, you can just pray this with me. God, I, I recognize that I am a sinner. I'm, I'm a, I've broken your laws. I've done things that are wrong. And because of that, I deserve a punishment. And I thank you that Jesus died on the cross in order to pay for my sins in my place. And I receive the eternal life that he offers me through his death and resurrection. Help me to live and follow him as my leader and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you, family.